Greg Airbar is with us for another look at recently released DVD and streaming titles that we think you will find of interest. Greg's new book, Hanna-Barbera, The Recorded History, is scheduled for release later in 2024. Well, you can enjoy Greg's standalone podcast, The Funcastic World of Hanna-Barbera, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts. What do you have for us this week? A show that's just entered the public consciousness again because of a recent big Hollywood motion picture, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the FBI in color. In color, a Quinn Martin production. Quinn Martin's longest running show ran nine full seasons. Second, uh, Barnaby Jones came close at eight eight seasons, but really seven full seasons and one half season. So, but uh, the FBI ran nine full seasons, 240 episodes uh we're talking about this off mic it is the most successful show that hardly anyone remembers or hardly anyone talks about although as you alluded to given how prominent the fbi tv show plays in the backdrop of quentin tarantino's once upon a time in Hollywood, that might change. It's possible because quite a bit of it does play, and it gets a quite a crowd reaction too. Yeah, I mean, there's um, besides the fact that uh, he uses at least two clips from a first season episode featuring Burt Reynolds, although Burt Reynolds is not on screen. But uh, besides the fact that he got Warner Brothers to license the rights of the clip and use it in the film, there are several references to. The show itself and the fact that it was it was a top 10 Sunday night show in 1969. So if you are an actor, as is uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, wherever you are on the radar screen, if you landed a role on an FBI episode and you knew that your episode was going to air on Sunday, that was a big deal. In a three-network universe, you knew a lot of people were going to watch that. And if you're an actor, because a lot of people are going to watch that, that might land you more work. Yes, as you've said several times on the program with different actors and behind-the-scenes people, being on a Quinn Martin show sometimes was money in the bank for you because it paid well and it meant possibly being hired again. Yeah, especially because by, well, the FBI ran 65 to 74. So going back to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 69, Martin would have had one. Okay, he only had, okay, that's that's a bad example. But (laughs) uh, because in 69, I think he only had one show on the year. But uh, go to like the or go to seventy seventy one or maybe sixty seven sixty eight. That's a better example. Uh, sixty seven seven sixty seven sixty eight seventy seventy one seventy two. Martin Martin had as many as five different shows on the air, and and they were in color. In color, and there are all Quentin Martin productions. Uh, <laughs> and if you're an actor who happened to be on the radar screen of Quinn Martin casting directors such as Dodie McLean, such as his head of casting, 
John Conwell, like like a lot of casting directors, like a lot of filmmakers in television, there are certain producers, certain directors had certain actors they like to use, they like to call on whenever possible. So if you happen to be an actor that Quinn Martin Productions like to call on, if you were hired to do an FBI at the height of Quinn Martin's popularity, you would not only do an FBI, you would be invited to do a role on each of his other four or five shows. And depending on whether you were top of episode billing or a day player, even a day player was paid more than uh, he or she would have been on a studio show. And so as Gary Lockwood said on our program, you take out taxes and you take out uh, your agent's cut, you're, you're, you're still left with about $3,000 a show. Three thousand dollars a show in 1969 money. Multiply that by doing two or three Quinn Martin shows a year. That's a pretty nice chunk of change. The other thing that you can notice when you watch these is that if you know the running time of a certain series, when it went on, when it went off, and then you see the guest cast list of the FBI because you can get them all now through our friends at Warner Archive, all nine seasons. You can see that these actors now were released from their contracts and they needed to get other jobs. And suddenly, guest star Russell Johnson, Don Wells, because Gilligan's Island, Marge Redmond from The Flying Nun. So as soon as the show was canceled, they were out and were available. And suddenly they're appearing on the various shows as guests in guest roles. It's very interesting. It's how it's how the business worked at the time. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, in those days, not so much now, they had no problem rehiring actors to play different roles on different yeah. episodes. Yeah, that was the great thing. That was the great thing uh, about Quinn Martin Productions in general, as we alluded. Besides the fact that he had more than one show in production, so if you did one show, you would do as many as four or five shows for Quinn Martin Productions that year. But they would bring you back whenever possible the following year if the show was back on the year. Whereas today, and this is something, we've had a chance to talk to some of the actors who did the Quinn Martin shows. Ed Asner um, uh, tells a funny story about uh, how you can't do that today. He did a Curb Your Enthusiasm in the first year uh, where he played a character who died. And Curb Your Enthusiasm has been on for more than 20 years as of this recording. Asner ran into Larry David at a function and lobbied for a role on Curb because he enjoyed doing it. And Ed, as you've heard on when Ed has appeared in our program, Ed is a very funny man. And so he's a natural for a, a, a show like Curb Your Enthusiasm that does a lot of improvising. And this is typical of the way things are done today. If you do one show, the mindset is we can't bring you back because the audience will remember you from the character you played in season one. Yes, and it's more. Uh, it was more of a stock company attitude then. It was that way in the golden age of Hollywood yeah. with Frank Capra with Disney films. You'd watch the the comedy films, and the same actors would pop up, and it, no one seemed to mind. In in this day and age, especially in series TV, with uh, maybe it has to do with the fact that you stream a show and or you have the entire season on DVD or whatever. There's an arc. It might be more confusing. Things seem to have to be more literal now. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, you know, back in the Quinn Martin era, 
uh, seasons were longer. Not all episodes were rerun during the summer. So if you did a show in season one and you were brought back in season three, the viewers may not remember that you did a season one because that was two years ago. Uh, and and because not every not every episode was rerun, and we don't have the accessibility to binge watch and do a deep dive into shows at an accelerated pace as that we often take for granted today. Greg Airbar is with us as we remember the FBI, the FBI, the long-running series starring Ephraim Zimblis Jr. that was also produced by Quinn Martin. All nine seasons of the FBI are available on DVD through Warner Brothers archive the fbi is also available for streaming on demand on the tubi channel and is shown daily on the warner brothers channel on tubi and at the risk of self-promotion there's a marvelous book by bill sullivan and some other guy whose name i cannot remember called the fbi dossier everything you want to know about the fbi series and more the fbi dossier available amazon.com barnes and noble.com black Press.com and wherever books are sold online. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. The FBI Dossier, a guide to the classic TV series produced by Quinn Martin and starring Ephraim Zemlis Jr. The FBI Dossier, now available at BlackPawnPress.com, Amazon.com, and EdRobertson.com. You mentioned not only guest stars such as Russell Johnson, such as Don Wells, who were coming off of a popular series at the time, but there are also a lot of stars that were on the rise, discovered by the John Conwells, the Dodie McLeans of the Quinn Martin operation. And it's fun to see them in roles before they were famous. You mentioned Harrison Ford. In one of Russell Johnson's episodes, Harrison Ford has a prominent role. Russell Johnson is the heavy, and there is a, an action sequence fistfight where Russell Johnson gets the better of Harrison Ford. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and if this were packaged today as a separate DVD episode, you would have Harrison Ford's name in prominent writing, even though he has the smaller of the two roles, but you, but you do that for marketing purposes. Back then it was like the professors in this episode. That's right. Wow. That's right. You know, but, uh, there's an episode, I forget, uh, there's uh, on the sixth or seventh season. This is one of, it's a fluke of the universe. You have in the cast, uh, you have Glenn Corbett who replaced George Maharis yes. in, in route 66, the final year and a half. He's the main guest star, but the rest of the cast includes future Oscar winner Diane Keaton, future Oscar nominee Richard Jekyll, and Solomon Sturges, the son of Oscar-winning writer, uh, Oscar-winning director Preston Sturges. Nobody would have known that. Nobody would have conceived that at the time. But when you watch a show like that today, it's kind of interesting to recognize that. You can also see a lot of young actors just before their series took effect, like Aaron Moran, his little girl in one yeah. episode, a few years before Happy Days, uh, Leif Garrett, 
uh, before he uh, he did several shows, but then he became sort of a teen idol. Teen idol. You you had uh, David Cassidy yep. did a show before about a year before. The Partridge Family. Don Grady was in one Don after Grady, my three sons, right. playing a, a dramatic role. Yeah, you know, change of pace role. Yeah, he played a spoiled scion. Yes, <laughs> yes. And you also uh, saw people who just before they became big TV stars: Lindsay Wagner, Hal Linden, mm-hmm. Wayne Rogers is in quite a few. of he them. He was in about eight of them. Yes, and uh, Jeff Bridges, uh, Bo Bridges. Bo, uh, bo, both Jeff and Bo did FBI's. Yeah, there's and and uh, Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. Douglas did an episode, uh, I think around 1970. It was within six months of the release of Adam at 6 a.m. And he was sort of on the rise anyway because he had done he had done another movie either for television or for the big screen and he was on the rise forget the fact that he was Kirk Douglas's son he was on the rise because it was recognized that he's got some talent beyond the famous last name and Quinn Martin has gone on record as saying the performance Douglas gave in the FBI episode was very influential in his decision to cast him opposite Carl Malden in the streets of San Francisco. And there's also a lot of the wonderful character actors and people who played sometimes often heavies, but sometimes not, that you saw in these shows, if you watch these shows in the 60s and 70s, uh, like um, Eric Braden, who was on this show, Mm -hmm. and Albert Salmi, and... And then a couple of people who were depicted in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Wayne Maunder was played by Luke Perry. By Luke Perry. Uh, Robert Hogan, character actor, did a lot of television in the 60s and 70s. Uh, he appears as part of the clip that is licensed for use in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But he's also incorporated into the dialogue. DiCaprio's character says, Bobby Hogan. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good actor. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then Clue Gulliger actually is in the movie, and he was in many of these episodes. Uh, yeah, he was, in, he was in one with Bradford Dillman and Steve Einan. That's one of the interesting things about this new film is that a lot of those people, it's about, it's really about those actors, he, that is the kind of actor that DiCaprio is playing, mm-hmm. an actor who had a series and now is doing a lot of guest roles and often playing the bad guy. The great thing about the Quinn Martin company in particular is that, yes, they used a lot of well-known film and television character actors whenever they were available, but... They would not always cast them as the character that they're known for playing. I'll give you an example. Bill Quinn, Bob Newhart's father-in-law. Mm-hmm. Famous character actor, did a lot of comedy. Mary Richards' uh, father. Mary Richards' father. Um, uh, he was Mr. Von Rensselaer in All in the Family. Uh, he did He did a lot of—he he was, um, was Felix and Oscar's doctor— in the first couple of years of the Odd Couple TV show, very, he's one of those guys that you saw, you see his face, you know exactly who Bill Quinn is. Well, mm. Bill Quinn was usually cast either if he if he did comedy roles, he would do doctors, a straight man to the uh, star type of role. If he did drama, he would play like 
a cop or an admiral in the army, you know, a military figure. You don't think of Bill Quinn as a mobster. No. But every now and then, the Quinn Martin, you know, Dodie McLean would say, Bill, you'd be good for this. And so they would cast Bill as like a godfather. Another example is Bill Zuckert. Bill yep. Zuckert, you know, uh, uh, he's another one of those character actors. Did a lot of comedy. A bewitched client. He was a bewitched <laughs> client. Uh, he was the chief of police on Captain Nice. Uh, he was Columbo Superior for a couple of years on Columbo. Again, he either does comic roles or authority figures. You rarely thought of him as a heavy, but uh, there were one or two times on the FBI where they cast him on a, as a heavy, and it worked. So it's fun to go back and look at the show in the sense of re- recognizing, in, in, in a way, it's sort of a tri- it's sort of a tribute's not the best word I'm looking for, but it's the one that pops in my head. Testimony. A testament. testimony. Thank you. A testimony to the power and the skill of casting directors and that they look, they really did a good casting director. They look for the best actor that they feel can play that character. They don't think in terms of what they did before, they, but they, they know how talented the actor they're working with is. And in, a, in the case of a Bill Quinn, it would be even more effective to cast him because you don't expect Bill Quinn to play a heavy. Greg Garibar is with us as we take a look back at the FBI, the FBI Quinn Martin's longest running TV series. All nine seasons of the FBI are available on DVD through Warner Brothers Archive. The FBI also available streaming on demand on the Tubi channel and is shown daily on the Warner Brothers Live channel on Tubi. Take a quick time out. We'll talk some more with Greg about the FBI. We come back on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.